Well, um, I'm I'm grateful to be back here again. I always enjoy visiting with the Mayhans and with um, you as your church family, and I uh, always enjoy traveling. So the opportunity to come here is an exciting one, and um, always good to be updated on what's going on and. Um, uh, people's lives around here as well as to update people on what's going on in my life. So I will start out today with just giving a brief ministry update. Um, the Lord has has really blessed me in the past year. Um, I've had uh, a good number of, of speaking engagements. Um, still would like to see that be a little bit less sporadic, but God has a plan. And he's he's working it out, and uh, as impatient as I get at times, he's still faithful to me, and he hasn't given up on me yet. So I'm thankful for that. Um, this past year, I had I've had the opportunity to do some work on the local radio stations um, near my home in uh, in Michigan, and so I was interviewed by one radio station in July, and then. I was interviewed by another radio station in late August, and it turns out that they want me to be a fairly regular contributor to their morning show. So I will continue to record sessions for them, and and um, after the service I can give you information on how you can tune in online. But most of all, I would appreciate uh, your prayers as I continue to seek the Lord. Um, I'm willing to be bivocational, but my true passion lies in sharing the Word of God, both to those who have not received the Gospel of Jesus Christ, but also, um, and perhaps mainly I feel my passion, is to reach out to those who are believers and uh, to encourage them to walk worthy of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, There's nothing wrong with purposeful evangelism. Some people do door-to-door. Sometimes people go downtown and do some street preaching and there's nothing wrong with that. However, I do think that some of the best evangelism happens as a result of the evidence of the Christian life in the lives of those who are Christians as they go out and affect the world um, just by doing the things that, that God wants them to do because that itself can make enough of a difference to make somebody question what's different about you. And if they ask that question, it's a great opening to be able to share the love of Jesus Christ. Um, so I would encourage you, first of all, to um, walk worthy of the Lord and to try to be in His Word regularly. You can't um, know what He wants for you unless you're reading His love letter to you, the Bible. And so, my encouragement to you, we're going to do a brief overview of the book of Philippians today. Not at all exhaustive, but the purpose of it is hopefully so that you will go home and delve into this wonderful book yourself and and come away with a a renewed appreciation for the gifts that God has given you and... uh, a renewed uh, appreciation for His Word and the opportunity to to dig into it yourself and to become a better person for it. Um, I, as Brother Al said, I'm continuing 
to pray that the Lord would open the right doors for um, for my ministry to to go full time. You know, it just seems like if if God didn't want me to be to be working as hard as I as He has me working on the ministry end of things, that He would open more job doors. But so far, those seem pretty closed. So I think He's He's sending me a message to be patient and allow Him to open. Um, the doors that he has for me ministry wise and also to look for the ones that are ajar and kick them open so that's what I'm trying to do Um, another thing that I've been praying faithfully for for quite a while is for a life partner to help me in this in this vital mystery and uh, you know my one of my examples in the ministry is David Ring one thing he once said when he was Preaching was, he said, I'm taking applications. Uh, and it so happened that his wife, future wife, and his mother were, or her mother were in the audience, and she told her daughter that she should apply. And her daughter, she was just kind of joking about it, but her daughter took her seriously. And so she went to the book table and she said, I'd like to apply. And two weeks later, they were engaged. And a year later, they were married. And now they have four children and one grandchild. So, I I am coming to the stage where I will be taking applications. But anyway, you can uh, you can be praying for me in that regard. I really would appreciate um, to to have someone to share this life with. Because even in a house full of people, I'm starting to feel pretty lonely. So, anyway, enough about me. Um, We're going to open in a word of prayer, and then we will get into the meat of our message. Brother Al, would you lead us? Father, thank you so much for Andrew and BJ coming down here to be with us. Bless Andrew as he opens the word and shares what you've laid on his heart. I pray you speak to each of us, Lord, as as your Holy Spirit uh, ministers and just where each one of us need to be met. Would you use Andrew's words to touch us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, as I mentioned before, we will be in the book of Philippians today. And I hope your page-turning fingers are limber because we'll be moving around a little bit in this book. And also, if you're taking notes, I have four points. Um, And... They all begin with P. And uh, these are aspects of the Christian life. Of course, we know, um, if you've studied the book of Philippians, that the book of Philippians was written while Paul was in prison for the Gospel. Um, This makes the contents of the book of Philippians even more amazing. Because, you know, I... um, in some ways, I can't imagine writing some of this stuff if I was sitting in, in a comfortable office, let alone in a prison, and not even the prisons like we have today, but more like a hole in the ground with you know chain between guards. But it's evident, if you read through the book of Philippians, that Paul had a supernatural ability to see things optimistically. And that supernatural ability is because in the face of all of his adversity, he trusted one thing, one person, 
above all. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. And um, so the first point that I want to discuss is the Christian's passion. And the verses that we're going to look at um, are actually verses that I have adapted as my life verses. Um, They're found in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. It says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, the way that I came about um, seeing these verses in a new light was I happened to, in the early to mid-90s, I went to a banquet uh, with my dad for my birthday. And it, um, the speaker was Dave Dervecki, former San Francisco Giants pitcher. And he talked about the struggle that it was to to have arm cancer and to... Um, come back from that and to be pitching in the major leagues again and then only a few weeks later to break his arm and discover that the cancer had come back and then ultimately losing his arm so having to retire from the game that he loved and coming to grips with the fact that God might have a different plan for his life than what he had anticipated but when he was signing autographs afterwards he put verses in each of the books that I had that he signed. and These were two of the verses that he put in there. And when I turned to it, I realized that's the kind of mission statement that I want for my life. And when I pass from this earth, I hope that people who knew me, um, whether in passing or intimately, will be able to say that I lived these verses. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Um, you know, God God gave me a clear voice, and fortunately He's caused me to realize some great ways in which I can use it. But um, I'm sure if you ask my parents, sometimes they wish I would just shut up. Um, but the Lord is working in my life, and He's cleaning me up, and uh, He's helping me to be productive with that which um, the devil would have me to use for evil. And so we, we talk about the Christian's passion. We see in this passage that Paul's passion was to live every moment for Christ and to die for Christ if necessary. And we know by tradition that he did die for Christ, that he was beheaded in Rome after witnessing to the emperor. And uh, I'm reminded of Paul before he was saved. Because before Paul was saved, he was so eaten up with zeal for who he thought was the true God. And this caused him, if you look in Acts chapter 9, we're not going to read there, but again, you can go there on your own time. And you can see that Paul was about to go and throw more Christians in prison and kill Christians. He had just gotten done observing Stephen being stoned. You know, so he was he was all about getting them to be to be uh, killed because he wanted 
to defend God and he thought that the way the way of Jesus Christ of Nazareth was not the right way. So he was getting ready to bring more threats against God's people. And you know, we often hear the term that person needs to be knocked off his high horse. Well, I think this literally happened for Paul or Saul at the time. And Jesus met him on that road. And one thing you'll know when somebody meets Jesus, they're never the same. There's two choices when you meet Jesus. Either you can become more hardened and dead set against Him, like the Pharisees did, or you can, like Paul, say, Who are you, Lord? And when the Lord responds, I am Jesus whom you've persecuted. The only thing Paul could do in that moment of realization was say, what would you have me to do? And that's what God is asking you today. Whether whether you are a Christian and you've trusted Christ or whether you're not yet a Christian, God is asking you to ask the question, what would you have me to do? It's one of the most important questions that you will ever ask is what does God have for me to do? The second question is a good follow-up or the second point is a good follow-up because we talk about the Christian's power. You know, because we can have this goal to live for Christ and do everything the way Christ wants us to. And I've had this happen where I'm like, I'm going to do everything right from now on. You know, I'm sick and tired of doing the wrong thing. And uh, and I, I just don't... I want to do the right thing from now on. And I can, I can have this goal. But if I forget that I don't have the power to do it, and that's why I needed Christ in the first place, then I can get myself in big trouble. Because even Christians can make the mistake of trying to live the Christian life in their own power. But Philippians 2.13 tells us not to do that. It says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Now, I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of peace. Because I can't do much. Even getting out of bed this morning required the help of my brother. And I'm very thankful for because I wouldn't be here today if he hadn't been willing to drive me, um, you know, 10 hours to get here, 11 hours to get here. And um, he put up with me on that long ride, even when I started to get irritated. Um, and I'm thankful for that. So we can't do things on our own power. And one Bible story that reminds me of is in Acts chapter 4 when Peter and John had just got done healing the lame man. Um, He was obviously lame because he'd been lame from his birth and the passage says that he was 40 years old. So, you know, Luke, the writer of the Acts of the Apostles, says, I don't want you to have any doubt in your mind. This was nothing less than a miracle because there's no other explanation. This guy was lame from birth. You know it. I know it. 5,000 people saw it, so they know it too. 
And then he was healed. But And so Peter and John are brought before the Sanhedrin. And it says something interesting in, in chapter 4. It says, When they marveled that they were unlearned and ignorant men, or when they saw that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. It means they were amazed, blown away. And it also says something significant. They beheld these men and they knew that they had been with Jesus. So the next challenge that I have for you is when people see you in your everyday life, will they know that you've been with Jesus? Are you are you spending time with Jesus? You know, we can't emulate someone unless we see their example. And for those who for those human examples that we have, like parents, um, you know, if, if they're godly and they're following Christ, then we can be grateful to have their example to follow. And I'm grateful to have godly parents that led me before the throne of grace when I was five years old and showed me the importance of making my eternal destiny secure. And I would just encourage you... Um, to number one, be strive to be someone who who you can say to those in your sphere of influence, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. There was a famous athlete a few years ago who made a motto out of saying, "I'm not a role model." You know, because because he was kind of a, a a bad boy and he he didn't want to be a role model. So he just kind of made it a mantra. I'm not a role model. My brothers and sisters, you don't have a choice over whether you're a role model. You are. doesn't matter who you are. There's somebody, whether it be a younger sister, um, younger brother, um, a student, a patient, there's somebody in your sphere of influence, even sometimes somebody older than you, who looks up to you for one reason or another, and therefore you are a role model. You don't have the choice. And Paul knew this. That's why he said, I've always exercised myself to be void of offense before God and before men. The third point is talking about the Christian's past and pursuit. So it's kind of a double point. And um, the verse I have for that is Philippians 3, 12-14. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which I also am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Behold, I count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. And you know, one, one interesting thing that I find in the Bible is that God 
doesn't use the people that seem to have spotless reputations. He uses people that the world would consider weak and useless. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. Peter, out of his own mouth, said, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus' response to Peter was, Fear not. From now on, you will catch men. So, God takes somebody that's useless. He took Peter, who right before Jesus went to the cross, He said, Far be it from you, Lord, to go to the cross. And Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Can you imagine what must have been going through Peter's mind when Jesus said to his face, Get behind me. But He also said something else. He said, Simon, I've prayed for you. And when you're converted... Strengthen your brethren. So he knew, he was forward looking enough to know that Peter was going to come out of this. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, he was going to become a mighty preacher for the gospel of Jesus Christ. To the point that he would be crucified. Tradition tells us that first he watched his wife die. And then. He was crucified. But he realized that he wasn't worthy to die in the same way that his Lord did. So he asked to be crucified upside down. And as far as we know, um, every one of the disciples, except for um, John on the Isle of Patmos, died a gruesome and horrible martyr's death because they believed that the sufferings of this present world were not worthy to be compared to the glories which will be revealed in us. And so as we seek to live this Christian life, a good principle to remember is to forget the things which are behind. Because the Bible says that if we confess our sins, He's faithful in us to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then it says, if we say we have no sin, we make God a liar and the truth does not abide in us. So the starting point is to realize that I have sinned. Then to deal with it. And then to move on in the power of God. Realizing for those who are here in Sunday school this morning that we can live in victory over sin. Because our sins were nailed to the cross. And um, so, I'm very grateful for that today. The fourth and final point that I have is about the Christian's promises. There's a lot of promises in the Word. There's not, this isn't an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination. But it says in Philippians 4, First in verses 6 to 7, and then later in 13 and 19. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 
And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, you know, again, thinking about the context in which Paul is saying these things. He's a living testimony of the things that he writes here, especially because he's in prison. He says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, I bet even some of his Christian brethren at that time were saying, how can Paul write this? From a prison cell. He's in jail. He's talking about the peace of God. And then, of course, we, we see the ticket to peace. You know, so often, you know, I heard a, a story once where this lady was dealing with, with some kind of trial and she'd gone to the doctors and she'd taken medicines and she'd done whatever it is that she could do. And then um, somebody said to her, I guess the only thing that's left is for us to pray about this. And she said, has it come to that? My friends, that should be our first line of defense. Not our last resort. Jesus doesn't want to be something that you put on the shelf and take off on Sunday. He wants to walk with you every day. And He wants you to walk with Him. For it's said in First Peter, I believe, that He's given us an example that we should follow in His steps. And He had a daily intimate relationship with His Father in heaven. Sometimes even praying late into the night. Or the whole night. So, Jesus doesn't want any fair-weather friends. He wants sold-out followers. And the Bible says about the sold-out followers in Acts that they turned the world upside down for Christ. What a testimony it would be if this little congregation in Smithville, Tennessee turned Smithville upside down for Christ. Turn Tennessee upside down for Christ. And as I um, go back to Michigan, it's my prayer too, to turn Michigan upside down for Christ. We're in a hurting and dying world. A world that's looking everywhere for answers. You know, we're, we have a struggling economy right now, and I think one of the things that people are just are not getting is that God cannot bless, truly bless, financially, a nation that has turned away from Him morally. We must turn back to God, and that speaks first to Christians. Because Peter said, if judgment is to come, it must first begin at the house of God. 
Now, I, I'm not here to condemn you because I have my own struggles, but I ask you to look within yourself and see where God has you and see if there's one thing that He wants you to work on this week, this month, this year, so that you can commit to being a different person than when you came in this building. Because if if we're not different people for having been here, then we're just sitting in a building. But if we allow God to meet us in church every Sunday morning, then we can be equipped for the week. And we never know where our influence will lead us or will help us influence. The Bible says in Proverbs that if you see a man diligent in his work, he'll stand before kings. Not mean men. Not common men. I don't know how many kings I'll stand before in my life, but I do know this. One day I'll stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I have to give an account for every word that I speak. And especially as a, as a preacher of the Gospel, I'm responsible to speak the truth, and only the truth, even if it's ugly. You know, there's a, a, a prevailing um, sentiment starting to creep in to seemingly conservative Christian circles that tells us that hell is just a figure of speech, that it doesn't matter. But Jesus said, He who believeth on Me is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the only Son of God. My friends, I have no way to interpret that other than literally. Paul gave his life because he believed it literally. And I have become increasingly convicted over the last several months that I need to be willing to die for the Gospel. I don't know if I will, but I need to be willing to die for the Gospel because the world hates Christ. And because the world hates Christ, it hates anyone who follows after Christ. But there are some good things that happen as we follow Christ. And one of them that I'll just mention briefly as I close is this. That in Philippians chapter 4, as the chapter ends, you'll see the saints in Rome greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. I don't know how close to Caesar the people that came to Christ were. I suppose I'll find out in glory, but can you imagine? Like I said, most likely Paul was tied between two or more guards, and I'm sure he would ask them on a daily basis, Have you met my Lord? Do you know Jesus Christ? Because you know what? Whether you kill me, or whether you leave me alive, I still win. There's not a whole lot of win-win situations in this world today. But I know that whether I'm living 
or whether I die. As, as Job said it, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in my flesh I will see God. And Job also said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And perhaps Paul was reflecting on those Old Testament passages when he said, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Um, I um, want to just finish with a, with a hymn that I have enjoyed, and I hope that it, it blesses you and helps you to remember who it is we're serving, what this Christian life is all about, Naught have I gotten but what I've received. Grace has bestowed it since I have believed. Boasting excluded, pride I abase. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. that so much. Stay right there if you would. We're going to uh, close our service in just a moment uh, with a word of prayer and then I'd like for you to come on up and uh, shake Andrew's hand, tell him that you appreciated him and uh, and just express uh, well wishes to him in his ministry. We're so thankful for you coming and sharing the word today. Amen, folks? Amen. Let's all stand, shall we? Father, I pray that you'd bless your word to our hearts today and uh, you would uh, inspire each one of us and certainly uh, uh, fill Andrew with a special double dose of your spirit and bless him as he shares your word. Open doors, expand his ministry and give him a, a liberty that, uh, that he's never experienced thus far to just uh, uh, go through doors and gates and openings that have never been opened before and to uh, share uh, of all of the, his heart's desire, the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for this time together. Bless him, bless each one that's come out today. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.